Hello, I'm Robin Fitzgerald and I'm a B-Class Atlantic 85 helmsman for St Catherine's RNLI in Jersey. So I joined the Sea Cadets very early on uh, and I stayed there for a long period of time uh, up until then, um, the age of 18 and then I moved to instructor and it was probably when I got my um, RYA um, sailing instructor certificates for power boating and sailing that you know I thought to myself let me put these certificates to good use and what a better way to do that than to join the RNLI. Oh, there's loads that I get from the RNLI, from being a member of the crew here in Jersey. It's a little family, you know, we're on a small island that's nine by five. Um, we all get on really well together. You just never know what's going to happen when the pager goes off. could be a call out for anything. And we're unique here in Jersey because we're two stations but one crew. So, you know, the, the family's grown. We've got one lifeboat operations manager, which is, which is fantastic. We're all under one, one umbrella. So I think I, I enjoy the, you know, the camaraderie within the crew and being part of something that gives back to the community. My most memorable shout was recently. Um, it was on the 21st of April. I remember settling down, ready for, ready for bed. And as within anyone within the RNLI, the pager can go off at any moment. So I, I remember cleaning my teeth and hearing the launch page going off, thinking that's not normal because we usually get a DLA page first. So I knew something quite significant had happened. And I was duty helm for that week for St. Catherine's. So I remember looking at my wife thinking, oh, it's going to be for St. Helia because <laughs> they get more shouts here in the island than St. Catherine's. So I, I looked in my pager and just went, it's St. Catherine's, Kath, I've got to go. And um, I, I called the DLA to find out what it is, what the job was. And then I found out that it was the tasking was for a French registered vessel at, Le, at the Ecrohose Reef off our northeast coast uh, with one person on board uh, and it was sinking. It ups the ante quite a bit when you hear the DLA telling you that the vessel's sinking, one on board, and we need to launch quite quickly. So, yeah, I... I remember thinking to myself it's not going to be a comfortable evening it was a northeasterly six we'd just come off the top of a high spring tide so that was it was wind against tide conditions we were relatively sheltered at the launch area I say relatively sheltered it was still quite lumpy on launch but when we rounded the end of the St Catharines breakwater we were right into the into the um, thick of it as it were and I knew then that the conditions weren't really conducive to a swift recovery of this chap we'd found out that before launching actually that vessel had sunk and there was a person in the water so it had gone from a vessel sinking to after the briefing myself briefing our crew my crew to a person in the water and it was mm, the conditions weren't favorable for a swift rescue put it that way it was extremely challenging to try and find him when we launched and we rounded St Catherine's Breakwater and we got into the conditions we did, we, we realised actually that it was also a moonless night, no stars, we couldn't see a thing. And that combined with the northeasterly six wind against tide, it, it wasn't fun. So we, we managed to make best speed. The Ecrohose lie, lies about six miles off the northeast coast of Jersey. So we had a fair distance to go and we knew that it was significant and the fact that the person was in the water and we didn't know his condition so 
But we managed to get to the Ekrahose um, some 25 minutes later. We settled down, I assessed the conditions, and then I um, decided to put a crew member up the bow of the boat with the searchlight because that's the best place f for someone to be to be able to spot the heads that we're around the reef. Um, the Ekaro's reef is renowned. It's, it's very, very rocky. Um, and I wanted to put someone up the bow that give us the best chance of spotting anything ahead of us. We managed to maneuver ourselves to the east of the island. And as we started searching with the searchlights on, we noticed a light just off to the distance. And, we did, we, and when it's pitch black, it's quite difficult to describe or to explain. When there is no ambient light, but you can see a light, there's no reference to tell you how far away that is. So we saw a light in the distance to the north of us, and it would have been quite easy just to run off to that to that light to find out what it was. But there were obstacles in the way that you know we had to we had to maneuver around the reefs, as it were. Um, and as we were doing so, we were getting closer and closer to him, and my crew were just saying, "That's him, that's him." And I thought to myself, "It can't be." And sure enough, as soon as we came alongside him, he was floating on his back with a life jacket inflated and his mobile phone um, with his torch on just held next to his head. And we were thinking that phone has drawn us to, to his location. It saved his life. I mean, it's, it, it gives me goosebumps talking about it now. We got him alongside the inshore lifeboat and um, he was so desperate, so desperate to get out Obviously, I tasked two crew members: um, James, who was on the bow, and Jason, who was right next to, right next to the sponsor, to 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 get hold of him. But I'm laughing because this was a bit of a funny moment. He went to grab hold of Jason, and Jason's quite a light-built chap like myself. He grabbed hold of Jason's arm, and he just pulled Jason in. And I was thinking, oh no, this is not the time for a casualty and Jason to be in the water I was just thinking this isn't this isn't great and obviously James was up the bow who'd come down to help was was having a bit of a bit of an argument with Jason what are you doing in the water we don't want you and of course James didn't see what had happened to Jason and luckily enough I spotted I spotted what happened and I realized that I said James you know it's okay he got pulled in because it wasn't it wasn't a particularly nice time for him to have been pulled in to be honest and I just remember thinking to myself we're in a bit of a tricky position here. Two crew members on board. Jason's gone overboard with the person, the casualty. And I just remember looking up to the north and seeing like a great big black looming. Uh, it, it, was, it was just a shadow of something. And then I, I looked quite closely and thought, oh, we're drifting down onto a reef. I was just like, this is not the right place for, for me to be trying to recover a man overboard plus the casualty. Anyway... I made a prompt decision to tell them to hold on quite quite tightly and I had to put the engines astern to to navigate round that reef. And I just remember watching the boat fill up with water whilst I had Jason and the casualty holding on and we just drifted off past round the black black object and of course we didn't have any searchlights on because every all the crew members were trying to get the trying to get the casualty aboard. But the one thing by Jason going in did help with it was to calm the casualty down. And, and, I've, and I've not seen that reaction before, you know. Jason sort of put his arm around him and the chap sort of, he, he, he sort of settled down as if to say, oh, well, it can't be that bad in here. Someone's come to join me. <laughs> and it's like, mm. it, the look on his face when Jason came in, it was just like, yeah, I can see what you're thinking, but, it, but it's not the reason why he's gone in there. 
So, you know, it, it sort of calmed him down. Jason was able to just reassure him a little bit and, and, and keep hold of him. And then once, like I say, we, we, we managed to get around the reef, we, we hauled both of them on board. And the, and the look on the, ch- the casualty's face was just one of, I've actually made it, you know, because he, he, he did look extremely, extremely distraught and, and almost, I, I can't say the word gone, but, but when we came alongside him, there was just nothing then. His face, he was cold. It was, it was just an awful state. And of course, when we got him on board, we realised then that he didn't actually have his life jacket on properly. He didn't have time to put the life jacket on when his boat went under. So all he was doing, he had one arm across the inflated tubes of his life jacket and he was gripping hold of his shirt the other side to keep his life jacket attached to him. And if he had let go, there's there's every chance that he would have slipped out from underneath the life jacket. That's when it really dawned on us as a crew. Actually, he's not only lucky that he had his mobile phone on him and he was able to attract our attention with the light, but the fact that he was able to grip hold of, of his shirt to keep his life jacket on for, it must have been 25, 30 minutes before we got there. It was just one of those feelings you get when you think, yeah, that's a very lucky man, you know, and, and, and he knew that because he couldn't stop telling us, thank you very much. He thought he'd gone, is, is the words he used when he got on board. So it was all very, very emotional. We then needed to get him to a place of safety because on board an ILB in those conditions isn't particularly great to a recovery of a person that's been in the water for 35 minutes 30 minutes and um we could see again some lights coming to us from the east and i soon realized that actually that must have been that must be cartridge lifeboat so we knew cartridge lifeboat was quite close we just had to attract their attention and get them to our position but as it happened they were steaming off to the north but in the end we just i just used the gentleman's phone with his torch that was still on and waved the torch at Cartridge Lifeboat, yeah. And um, after about two or three minutes, maybe five minutes of waving the torch at them, they, they realised the fact that someone was trying to attack, attract their attention. They could see our blue light flashing on our lifeboat. They could see our navigational lights. So they, they perhaps realised then actually they won us, which was, which was brilliant that they knew the casualty. The casualty had exercised with them as, as lifeboat crew. He... he, he sometimes we were told would would volunteer his services to assist with being a casualty so the Cartwright lifeboat knew him and we felt that when we came alongside and they were absolutely elated to be able to to have him on board there or where the lifeboat and of course we were too because that was the safest place for him they would get him in the wheelhouse they would they would get him dry and give him the medical attention that he needed because we, we couldn't do that on board a, a soggy ILB constantly getting sprayed so yeah, it was, it was brilliant. A few days after the incident, we received a really, really nice message from him. Yeah, and, I, and I'll read it now and do my best not to quiver because it, it, gives, it gives you goosebumps. And it goes, Good morning, I'm Tebo, the man whose life you saved at Lezekrahoe's Reef on Friday evening. Since then, I have struggled to find the words to express my gratitude. It was getting dark. The waves were starting to wash over me steadily. I really thought I would never see mine again. It's hard to describe the emotion I felt when I realized that you had spotted me when you still seemed so far from me. I will never forget 
those few minutes shared on board your rib. So much professionalism and humanity mixed together. It's just wonderful. I remember Jason. I didn't hear the others' names of my saviours. I would like to know them if possible. I will forever be devoted and promise to honour the risks you have taken for me by being a better man. Life is so precious. Huge thank you to all involved. God bless you. You just sometimes never hear that from someone. You know, you often get asked, what's it like to save a person? And, and I remember doing a, an interview for a local television company and just said, it's, it's just emotional. And it really is, you, you, can't, you can't describe it. I mean, when, when we handed the casualty over to the all-weather lifeboat and we knew that he was safe, the, there wasn't a dry eye on board the lifeboat. We, we, all, we all got very emotional having realised, you know, the challenges, one, that we had met to get him, but B, that he managed to stay afloat in the condition that he was in for that long, you know. Yeah. So when you ask me what's going to be my most memorable bull shout in 10, 15 years' time, I, I can guarantee you that this one will still be at the top of the list. Yeah. Hello, it's Sam Holland here. You've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. 200 Voices is produced for the RNLI by Adventurous Audio Limited.